You're listening to a podcast of Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, where our mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Uh, this is the last of a, of a series of Emmanuel, God with us. We've been doing just a four-part uh, Advent series here. So this is going to wrap up the series today. And, uh, and I wanted us to end just looking at the biggest picture we could of God and of specifically of Christ and what he did and, and coming here to this, to this earth. And so we're going to do that by looking, looking in, in uh, Colossians, like I said. Now, in the beginning of Colossians, Paul starts out the letter and he's talking to the, a church, the, the church at Colossae, and he's, he's actually affirming them of just how awesome they are and, and what God is seeing done inside of them. And after he does that, he takes a minute and does something which is a little unusual in, uh, in that he just spends uh, about verses 15 through 20 here just talking about Christ and about who he is and particularly what, it, what he means to that, to that group of people. Because he's going to go on to challenge them uh, on some areas in, in their life, but he wants to paint this real big picture of, of who Christ is. And the reason I say it's a little unusual is uh, it's kind of written like a hymn would be written. This is something that David would say in the book of Psalms or or, or that you would hear Solomon say in Proverbs. It's read kind of like that. It's put in the format of an epistle, because that's where it falls in the Bible, but it's really not to be read. It's more meant to be read as a, as a reflected hymn. So normally what we would do on a Sunday is I would stand up here, and we would read the hymn together, and then I would kind of teach you through that passage of Scripture. But this week what I did, and, and a lot of times I do it before I, I, I teach uh, before I, I, I preach, I'll open up the Bible to a passage of Scripture, and there's four questions that I like to ask uh, any passage of Scripture when I read it. First is the question of what is true about this passage of Scripture. Secondly is, is what's not true about this passage of Scripture. So what's something personally that I believe that's inaccurate when I look at my life? Then what would, what would wrong behavior look like? What not to do? And then finally, what it is that, that God is actually calling us to do in this passage of Scripture. Now, we've used these four questions here at Red Sea. Royce has taught through them on a Sunday morning. Uh, if you're a home community leader, we've used them. And if you're one of the guys that's on RET on Sunday nights, uh, you could do this in your sleep because we have done it so much together every time, every time we meet. So what I'm going to do this, this morning is we're going to read this passage of Scripture together. And then we're just going to ask those four questions, and I want you guys to answer the questions. So I know you were expecting to be wowed by my oratory abilities this morning, but instead I'm asking for a little group participation. I knew we'd have a really small group this Sunday because of the, where it falls around the holidays, so I figured it'd be a fun time to try something new and try a little interactive, and if it bombs and fails, it only did it in front of a small group of people. So... It's kind of my, kind of my logic, how I'm, how I'm thinking. So why don't we do this? Why don't we just start out by reading the passage of Scripture, um, first, first Colossians 1, uh, 15, and I'm actually going to have us read it all the way through 23, uh, because that's, that, that's the thought. It's all together. And then we're going to break apart the passage in just a little bit. So one of our traditions here at Red Sea is just to stand up and read the Scriptures together. Uh, we like to do that. It's just standing under the authority of the, of the Word and attuning our hearts to it. So let's, uh, let's read this together. Oh, yeah, thanks. I can't, uh, I can't do that at the same time. Both of, and it's in two sections. There's one here, and the other one is going to be a little, layer, a little lower. Okay, okay. 
So First uh, Colossians uh, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were, who were alienated, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he's now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Thanks, guys. You can be seated. Thanks, Nate. So I found a, an alternate uh, version of this uh, that I want to put up for you guys. Uh, and this is kind of in the hymn format. If, if you were going to read this in Psalms, this would be the format that you would actually see this in. So what we're going to do, we're going to start off and we're going to ask the question, what are the key biblical truths of this passage? So they can be explicit or they could be more implied and not actually said. And let's try to start at the beginning of the passage of Scripture, because it's a building thought. Let's just start in, in verse 15. If you have a phone, you can pull that up, because I'm not going to be able to constantly have it up here on the screen. There's also a stack of Bibles on that back table back there if you want to grab one. Uh, but we'll start off in, in, in verse 15. And as you guys talk through uh, what you see, I'm going to type them in, and we're going to throw it up here, up here on, the, on the screen. So... Uh, what, is, what is one of the first key biblical truths of this passage? Okay. I've got to get in edit mode. There we go. Uh, no talking about my spelling. You said Christ is made in the image of God? Okay. Boom. Or I would just say God can be seen, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty encouraging, that we can look at Christ and see God. Okay? What's next? Hmm? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that one was really encouraging to me when I, when I read through it, because all things, because I mean, we all have gone through difficult things, and it's saying all things that were created are, are for him and, and through him, and so there's a certain amount of, of comfort that we should feel of the goodness of God. Right? In all in all things. Okay. 
Um, what are the implications of he is the head of the church? Yeah, yeah. I'm not the head, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we'll get that. That'll in just a little bit. We'll get to that. That's the more the what 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 we should what we should do. But yeah, if, if he is the head of the church, the head provides for. Uh, um, I don't. Sometimes we don't feel provided for. You know what I mean? Like it's like, okay, God, I don't really see how you're providing right now. But if he really is the head, the head is always providing for the body. That's the way it works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're put Christ uh, created. Mm. Including the invisible. Uh, yeah, that one's pretty cool too because you've got this analogy of a, a spiritual realm. You know, and he gets at that with um, powers, rulers, authorities. He's, he was talking about the physical, the created, but he's also talking about the, uh, the immaterial there. And so there's this whole other realm and that we know does exist, a spiritual realm um, where Satan operates, the devil, but God is in control of that realm also. There's not a realm outside of his control, which is pretty awesome to think about. Good. I'm sorry, one at a time. Sorry, Doug, that was your one. What was the second one? Yeah, and, and the passage is broken into two sections here. Like I said, the first one is, uh, is Christ is Lord of creation is kind of what the, the, the writers gave as a, as a, it wasn't, Paul didn't say that. They were just reading and say, oh, this is kind of the title. And then the second one is Christ is Lord of redemption. So he's Lord of the creation, the physical, even before we were ever here, but also he is Lord over us, his redeemed and how we're being redeemed and, and what he's doing right now. So that makes him the beginning of both. He was the beginning because he was here before anything was else. He was also the beginning of the redemption and the fact that he was the only one to ever die for the sins of the world. And he purchased us with a, with a price. And so therefore, we were part of his family. He kind of owns us. I mean, it's all wrapped up in that idea of the, the uh, firstborn creation. Yeah. 
Yeah, and in the, in the church uh, in, in Colossae, they were struggling with this concept of they were like worshiping a whole bunch of other things that weren't that important. You know, angels being one of them. It also happens in Hebrews. Uh, we talked about that a little last week. But yeah, they were, they were kind of fixated on things that were less glorious than Christ. And so Paul said, before we talk about those things, let me exalt Christ really high and let you remember his place in all of this. And I think that's incredibly timely for us. And it's kind of part of the reason that I chose this passage of Scripture here for the last Sunday of the year in that we're going into another year where we're going to have to choose whether or not Christ is preeminent this year. Because you can allow many other things to be preeminent in your life. So by lifting God high, we can fixate on Him, and everything else kind of falls into its natural place, which is not, you know, at the right hand of the Father, which is where He sits. Other truths here? Let's move uh, to, the, to the, the, the part about redemption, the, the second section here. I think we've kind of worked through the first one. So this would be verses 18 through 20. Does it say us? All things. Which includes us, yep. What about this one? The, the, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Right? Isn't that an interesting phrase? Like when you, when you see that, you're like, okay, so a truth is that the, the fullness... God was pleased to dwell, dwell in Christ. And I was thinking about that one this, this week, and, and I think what he's getting at is like temple language uh, in the Old Testament, the fact that God came and dwelt with the people. Um, God has always desired to be with his creation. He's not a, he's not a, a, a God who is far off which if you've been raised in in a real traditional church, many times God is transcendent. He's far off. But but throughout the story, God is incredibly intimate. In the Garden of Eden, He's there with the people. In the Old Testament, He dwells with them. He he tabernacles with them. Um, In in John 1, it says that, that He became flesh meaning he, he, uh, he, he tented with them. He came down and he dwelled with them. And, and then after Christ is risen from the dead, you see a part of the Trinity actually living in the people through the Holy Spirit. And then when you look in Revelation, what you see is God with his people, and we're all standing around singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? I mean, this has been God's plan all along. It's this real, um, real purposeful plan to dwell with his people. And he did that through Christ. It was through the death of Christ that we are physically able to dwell with him and he with us. I mean, that's, that's awesome. That Christ did something that had never been done before, could ever have been done before. And now we live in the reality of that. And the type of relationship that we have with God is amazing compared to the last, say, 5,000 years of humanity. I mean, it is it, it, this time place after the cross, uh, everything else just pales in comparison to that. What about this section here uh, after he talks about the, the, the fullness? He says, um, verse 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the, by the blood of the cross. What truths do we see in that? So, real simple truth, like, all things were reconciled to him in earth or in heaven, okay? Oh, yep. Yep. Peace was made by blood. Um, this is we talked about this last week in Hebrews two, when uh, when he says it, for it was it was fitting that Christ should suffer and he should die because that was the only way that many sons could come to glory. And now he sits at this place of authority. It was the only way. It took a a, a God coming as a human and paying a human sacrifice for humanity, and then being raised from the dead and sitting victorious with the with the Father. I mean, these are just these are just amazing truths that all things were reconciled and they are reconciled. And 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 I, I struggle with it sometimes because I can see some things being reconciled to God, but I can't see all things being reconciled to God. Right? I mean, it's a truth that I believe I'm, I believe confessionally, but I really struggle with that. Of of what about people who go to hell? Like, how is that all things being reconciled to God, you know? And then I have to say, well, if, if God's good and I, and I trust God, then I believe his goodness is in all things and he is reconciling all things to himself whether I can see them or not. And that has some implications for then, for then how we live. Uh, so I, I, any other here we need to kind of keep moving? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's that that part of our our humanity that doesn't like the suffering. You know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and the, no, I, and I, I don't want to have a big theological argument or. Uh, conversation. We kind of did that last week. We talked about propitiation. We talked about um, substitutionary atonement. Uh, but I, the way that I just reconcile it real briefly is that there's two main truths about God. God is good and God is just, right? I mean, those are truths that no matter, I mean, I've just had to accept those two things. And so if God is good, then his, then what we are experiencing is his goodness, the the bad, even the bad stuff is his, of his goodness. If God is just, then he has to pay for sin. If he doesn't, he can't be God, right? And so that's the only way of those two truths. Okay, God is good. God is just. This was his way. And so I have to say, okay, God, maybe in heaven. Huh? Me and Rose will, will understand that at some point. Okay, let's move on here. Second question. This is really hard. This is a, a, an exercise that most of us don't do um, 
we live in a, in a society that has so much information being thrown at us, so, so much, all the time. We're always on Facebook, and we're always on Twitter, and we're always watching stuff. We have so much information, we tend to try to be really efficient. We process and kick it out, and process and kick it out, because we know more is coming, right? Well, that filters into how we read the Bible. And so we read, and we read these amazing truths that we just laid out, and then we don't do anything with it. We don't ever stop to say, well, what are the implications of that truth for me? So here's a question that really helps me do that. It says, what is something false or inaccurate that you personally have believed related to this topic? Okay. Uh, Another question that, that I like to ask myself is, if my actions show what I really believe to be true about God, right? So when I look at the way that I live, what's the difference between the way that I live and the truths in that passage? So this would be what is not true. What's something false or inaccurate that you personally have believed? Sorry. Awesome, yeah. God is not in control. And I'll just, a caveat of that is um, there are things in my life that just have nothing to do with God. You know, like functionally, or yeah, functionally, I mean, you look at the way that I live. I mean, I tend to compartmentalize life many times. And so here's God in this part, but this is, this is outside of God. This is me, right? And, I, I, and so the reason I know I do that is because I worry about some things and I'm anxious about some things. So those are the things that God is not in control of. Otherwise, I wouldn't worry. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. But I'll say the unbelief is that we are not good enough for God. And when we get to the what is true, you can come back with the answer of like, we are good enough for God, right? We are. Yeah, he was talking, and I would forget it. Okay. So, I am a perfectionist, or that I have to be. I'm just going to use holy before God instead of above reproach. It's a little less Christianese. Oh, that's pretty Christianese, the word holy. (laughs) Sorry. I'm going to finish this thought real quick. Okay, I'm done. Something inaccurate that you personally have believed.
Oh, I didn't double click probably. Boom. I'm sorry. So that's the ones we've said so far. I just put something maybe simple, but uh, it's okay to allow other things before God. If, if He is preeminent, when you look at my life, it doesn't actually look like I believe that. Because there's so many other things that are more important to me than God is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of war, a lot of personal suffering. Yep, that's a big one. I, I put um, uh, that I have to look other places to find what I can only find in God. You know, I, I, I tend to look for satisfaction in other things that are never as satisfying, yet I continue to those things. Uh, yes, putting it in words is difficult. Physical and spiritual. It's dichotomy, right? Dichotomy? Ami? Dichotomy? T O M Y, not A M Y. That'll work. Thanks. Uh, that's a good, I think that's a really good an, an analogy because we do tend to kind of just spend more time in one or the other and not really think about that they're all together. You know, God's ruling over, over both of these things. And just the idea that God is invisible. You personally believe that God is not accessible?
Mm. Yeah, that's, that's huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in your in your. Mhm. Mm yeah. Yeah. Exception. That's exception, right? Exception. Okay, let's uh, let's keep moving here. So now what we're going to do is is this is this once again as the more you ask these questions, it takes a little more thought each time to uh, to kind of progress along. So now the question is in relation to this passage, what's something in your life that needs to change? Uh, so not necessarily what do I need to do as much as what do I not need to do anymore? What is, what does it look like, or, or what, what would I need to repent of? In, in, light of, in light of that. So when you look at, when you look at these things that we just, just said, God is not in control, things in my life have nothing to do with God, um, it's okay to allow other things to be bigger than God. When you look at all of these, the, the way, and these really are pretty telling on how we live our daily life, then, then what, do I, what do I not need to do anymore? Huh? Yep. Stop doubting. I'm sorry. So seek satisfaction would be what to do. So I would say stop trying to find Satisfaction in people. Anything less than God. Put life. What was that? Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, for me, it was uh, anxiety and fear of man. We kind of did fear of man in here, but stop being anxious. All things. He's over all things. If I'm anxious, I don't actually believe that. Uh, Beverly's question uh, a minute ago about, you know, I was I was a mistake or... Uh, what is what does that line of thinking many times lead to in our life? At least depression, you know. I mean, that's a there's something wrong with me. 
without Yeah, that's that's good. It's real practical. <laughs> yeah. I know functionally many times um, we we said believing the lies a minute ago, which I think is a really good truth to when you're when you're looking at your behavior many times you the way that you're acting is because you believe a lie and you're operating outside of that lie so for me it was just stop listening to satan because he lost right i mean he he jesus conquered death he this is that's what satan had control of and and jesus conquered and he rose from the dead so he no longer has control of anything only the things that i choose to give to him is what he has control of so so stop stop listening to him Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Brings me back to my Looney Tune days. <laughs> Saturday morning. You guys ever sit there and wait for it to come up on the TV? Because way back in the day, there was nothing on before Looney Tunes. It was just the colored bars. And then the... It would come up. And Looney Tunes would come on. Thank you for that. Throwback. Yeah. Good... Stop avoiding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a, a fruitless exercise. Okay, any other ones? Okay, last one here. This is kind of the, you know, we, we kind of put all this together. We've processed, we've, we've read some truths about God, we've talked about, we looked at our lives and said, okay, here's something wrong belief. Uh, we've looked at what not to do. Now, this is, this is the fun part. So what are some things you need to learn to do in order to live in a way that reflects the truth of this passage? Have faith. Yeah, he talks about that in, uh, toward the end of Colossians there. We're going to read it in just a little bit. And after 21, he talks about the, the hope of the gospel, right? I mean, have faith. I'm going to put celebrate. So we just, we are really bad at celebrating. 
And that's something that Christians should be the most celebratory people on the planet because we have a lot to celebrate. Just put a trust God is at work even when I can't see it. Kind of go back, goes back to that faith part. Yeah, uh, I think one of the, the many reasons that God calls us to be in close relationship with one another, I mean, He's an incredibly relational being Himself, but also He knows that we're incredibly prone to forget. We're just a very forgetful people. And He, and he says, don't forget like a thousand times in the Old Testament, because He knows we're going to forget. And the irony of that is at one point in the Old Testament, they actually forgot there was a Bible. You know, like they even forgot that God had ever spoken to them. And so somebody found it. They're like, what is this thing? Oh, yeah, that was when God spoke to us. I mean, that's, that's pretty telling of humanity, right? So what God does, he places us in relationship with one another so that we can speak the gospel to each other. So in those moments that I just don't believe these truths, that I'm believing the lies, you come into my life and you see that functionally happening in my life and you speak the gospel to me. So this is why it's so important as Christians not just to come here on a Sunday morning to hear someone talk, but to be in close relationship with people who will speak truth to you, hopefully gospel truth, in, into your life. So what to do, I would say, be in community in 2016. You know, make it a priority. Look to God first for direction. All I can think of was correction. Because hmm. you've been given grace? Yeah. <laughs> So for those of you who are in community with Beverly, you know, know that that's something she struggles with, and you can, oh, they're all, they're all celebrating, okay. Grace yourself. God has made me and others what? Others blameless. Yeah. Yeah, that idea of I am holy (laughs) for God. (laughs) We are holy before God. Out of nothing that we did or that we deserve, but that's what was done for us. And God doesn't see me and he's like, 
God doesn't look down and say, again? You did that again? Like, are you ever going to learn? He sees holy and blameless. And so when I start seeing myself the way that God sees me, it changes the way that I live my life out. I don't want to do those things anymore. That's it's huge. Yeah, personal relationship with God uh, is, is huge. And, and just having, having your own heart wooed by God on a regular basis. I mean, all of us want to be wooed. And my poor wife, I'm like the most ro- least romantic person in the world. And I'm so grateful that she's put up with me for 13 years. But you have to do that in a relationship, right? You have to you have to work at it and, and have that, that same fire and that same love. It's the same way with God because like we talked about last week, we don't drift toward God. We drift away from God. And so as we're in the Word with God, especially in like 2016, the point of that is to have your heart renewed all over again. Uh, Jonathan Edwards called it a renewed affection for God. It's, uh, as the more he got to know Him, he became kind of enthralled with God, and then all of a sudden all these other things just weren't as big as he was. That's something that, that takes intentionality just like a, a relationship does. It's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. with something that's wrong. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's, that's a big part of the... Uh, as family, one of our pathways, the way that we develop as, together as family is through sharing not only of our possessions, like, like, you, like you saw in the first church, but also just sharing what God's doing in our life. It's why in our family gatherings, on the fifth Sundays, we just spend the time sharing, because that is so incredibly powerful, not only to me, but to you guys who get to hear what God's doing, and it's all just to be reminded of the amazing work that He's doing. It's good. Uh, I just wrote, have peace. You know, we talked about uncertainty and not being able to see. And, but if he, is, if he is Lord over creation, he's Lord over redemption, I should just be able to be at peace at times, you know? And, and I should be known, and we should be known for a people of peace who are at peace. Sure. Uh, yeah, practice what you preach. Um, so this, is, this may be a little wordy. It's the same thing. But sanctification which is this process where God is making us more like Jesus. Uh, we're being sanctified. So uh, sanctification is the, is the, I've heard it this way, it's the narrowing of the gap between my confessional faith and my functional faith. So here's what I say and here's what I do. Uh, as you walk with the Lord, there should be the closing of this gap here between those two things. So to practice what you preach, in other words.
uh, at the end of the, the passage of Scripture, he talked about being stable and steadfast. Are, are, am I known for being a stable and steadfast person? Because that's what the gospel should, should produce is a, a confidence, not in myself, but in God and, and in what he's doing. And so when the world sees us, what they should see is stable and steadfast because we have a big God that we're following who's in control, who is, who is doing something instead of like, the sky is falling, you know. Rejoice, yeah. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your, reasonable, let your reasonableness be known to all. For the Lord is at hand. Uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I've had to commit that to memory because I don't believe it. You know, like I just don't believe it. And so I, 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 it's something that I can repeat to myself when I feel anxiety coming in or when I feel depression or, or uh, loss of control. You know, rejoice because the Lord's at hand. He's doing something. Be a thankful person. You know, rejoice. Be thankful. Yeah. Pray, because that's how we empower God to work. He said that's how it works, so pray. Yeah. Be hopeful in the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting kind of small up there. So, any other thoughts there? So, this should be an incredibly comforting exercise, right? I mean, as we look into another year, 2015 has come to a close, we're entering into 2016, and there's all of our hopes and dreams and, and all this stuff. In the midst of that, we should find peace and comfort that God is doing something bigger. And I could have stood up here and told you guys all of these things, which is what I was planning on doing. But I'm learning that we, when we can process it together and, and think about my own life, I'm much more likely to actually go out and do something differently because we've all basically just gone through a process of, of faith, repentance, where we said what's true, here's true about God, what's not true, here's these things that I don't need to believe, that I don't need to do. And then we said, well, what's obedience look like? Well, here's what obedience looks like. So now we can go into another year taking this really big concept of God and real practically laying it out in, in our lives. And, and then what that will lead us to do is what's said, at the, Paul says here in this last part in verse, uh, verse 21. Uh, and you who were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed... If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Right? I mean, that's, that is what 2016 should look like in, in, all, in all of our lives as we live out the truth of this passage. Uh, and one of the things that is just one of our traditions here at Red Sea, a part of our liturgy is to come and take communion every week. Communion is a picture of what Paul just talked about in that passage of Colossians, that 
Christ did something for me, that I've been reconciled to God, that I now am holy and blameless before Him. And as we come to the tables today and we take the bread and we take, take the wine, I pray that you would see yourself the way that God sees you. It's the reason that that communion table has a mirror behind it. Because there's a passage of Scripture on there in Ephesians that says the same thing as this is who you are. It's just something that you have to believe to be true. And my prayer for you guys and for myself this next year as we go into it, we would go into it with this amazing picture of all that God has done and who He is. We would continue to walk together in relationship, continuing to gospel one another and share these truths, and then live them out all around us to our neighbors and our coworkers and our family members. I mean, this is what it means to, to make disciples. It's, it's to take something that God has done and is doing and just to believe it to be true and let it change who you are. There's no, there's no magic formula in that. It's just belief and then action that, that follows that. So I appreciate you guys doing something different with me. This is really cool to get to interact with you like this. I enjoy doing this. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun, and, and everybody seems to participate. So thanks, guys. Uh, I want to pray for us, and uh, we're going to have our musicians come back up, and we're going to spend some time just worshiping in light of, in, in light of what we've just learned. And, and we're going to take communion and, and grab our kids and bring them back up and spend some time with us. So let's pray. Uh, Father, I come before you, and, and I just thank you for, for who you are. God, I thank you for your preeminence in, in all things. Uh, God, I thank you for uh, this, this family here. And, and you've heard our confession today of, of, of unbelief in our life. And I just pray you would replace that unbelief with, with belief. And that would be seen in the way that, that we live and the way that we talk about you and the way that we celebrate and the way that we give grace and the way that we forgive, uh, Father. As, as we behold you and we look to you, and we learn more about you, that changes us. So God, I would just ask that you would change us, uh, that we would be able to sing now as a people who have had their hearts reminded of, of how amazing you are, and how good, like we said earlier, how much of a good, good father you are to all of us. So God, would you do that for us in this time? In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at redseachurch.org.